Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm Harrison Crow, and joined as ever by Ian Lamberson of Total MLS. And I say Total MLS. That's like, you, that's just what you're known for. You're you're ASA now. So oh, uh, have I been? You, you're accepted. You're Are accepted. You make my loan deal permanent. Yeah, yeah. To, well, yeah. We're totally <laughs> buying you out of that. Um, you, you you have shown your worth, sir. Uh, right. Despite. Um, I guess we don't give you. I, I feel like I don't give you very much airtime sometimes. I, I talk over you, and I apologize. I just only I save it up for the really incisive part points. Like you have to cover up all the ground and, and fill all the air, and I'm able to just slide in there and look cool. This is the the dynamic I'm comfortable with. You you are a very cool cat, uh, and one that gives all of us many many gifts. Uh, but let's get straight into it. Uh, so like I guess we're going on three weeks now without a podcast, and mm-hmm. just inherently life and you know work and s- lots of stuff going on but last three weeks ago we talked to jason poon of big d soccer and sb nation fame and our goal was kind of really a simple one it was just to get a handle a bit on what had happened to the fc dallas uh season and we went back over the whole year and you know walking ourselves forward from that point uh to kind of understand how dallas has gotten to the point that they are and uh, whether or not that decline was something in play uh, that would continue or if there is a reason to be alarmed. Um, I don't know if that necessarily came out the way we wanted it to. Um, with, I think that we kind of felt like there was less to be alarmed with and then they continually <laughs> play bad. Yes, so. yes. Three weeks ago when we said, guys, there's nothing to worry about. And then there were three more bad weeks of FC Dallas soccer. So... Now, if you're still listening, FC Dallas fans, if you still think we have credibility, there's a lot to worry about now, and you may feel free to completely panic. Um, and in hindsight now, we know that, that perhaps we were a bit optimistic about, about your chances of, of uh, bouncing back. Um, but with that being said, we're going to do something similar with the Chicago Fire. The Fire have, uh, at the time that I wrote this, which was, I believe, earlier this week, uh, they have gotten eight points out of the last ten games. Is that Well, that's not true. I think they won this past weekend. So is it ten out, eight of the last ten there, Rob? I don't know the numbers of how many over the last ten games. I do know that they're starting to turn around. Right. And so they started showing a decline uh, in their season. I felt it would be kind of interesting to go over two teams that were in back-to-back kind of episodes and kind of look at their seasons in different ways. So this week we went ahead, uh, likewise with Jason, we went ahead and brought in a Chicago Fire guy, Rob Lowe of Lowdown Stats. Rob, how goes it, man? Thanks, guys. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, um, so you're kind of a Chicago Fire guy, right? Like you do a lot of stats, you put a lot of stuff out there, but uh, primarily your interest lies in Chicago, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I've uh, been a Chicago Fire fan since the very first ever Chicago Fire home game back in, I don't know, 1998. Um, Honestly, I floated in and out of being a, a Fire fan, you know, just as life gets in the way. But I always kind of got up for the USMT, MNT games and uh, World Cups, etc. And a few years ago, I started get, wanting to get back into to soccer, and I wanted to find, it, find the kind of stats that I was used to doing in uh, college basketball. Turns out they didn't really exist, so I started trying to come up with some. And... Um, the things that I came up with were the aggregate rank and the three factors. And a lot of what they told me was just that the fire were crap. Um, yeah. Wait, you didn't need a did... lot of advanced statistics to see that for a long time. You really didn't. Yeah. No. So uh, before we go headlong into this and, and find out some of your thoughts about MLS, I, I got to know 
where do you lie on this J.J. Abrams taking over Star Wars 9? Like, how, how do you feel about this? Are you good with this? Uh, are you against this? How do you feel right now? All right, so two things. Uh, good question. Um, number one, honestly, I'm the only one in my house that likes Star Wars. I consider that a big parenting fail. Uh, I, yeah. I, I did get a win on the, on the uh, Marvel, so I get to see plenty of Marvel movies. But honestly, for me, Star Wars is like pizza. I'm going to eat it no matter what. I'm probably going to like it. I'm sure J.J. Abrams is going to make a fine pizza. Totally fair. I, I, I like that take. I don't like the, How about the, you parenting, the parenting fail. You know, I, I yeah. like the first, the first uh, well, I say the first Star Wars, but uh, the first uh, episode that he directed. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, I, I shouldn't say really good. It was good. It was, it was like you said, it was pizza. I really like pizza. I'm going to eat the pizza and I'm going to be like a, a nine-year-old watching it for the first time, just simply amazed and uh, in over his head, you know, with, with that world, you know, um, exactly. Ian, uh, I don't, I don't know where you, I don't actually know where you fall on this. Uh, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on it. It sounds good to me. I think he, the, the one I saw that he did was, was good. I'm sure this one will be good. I didn't watch like star Wars as a kid. So I have a very different relationship with that series of films than everybody else in the world. Um, no, I, I actually like and, and see it's cold. funny that you bring that up. I think that you actually have a very similar relationship because when I grew up, Star Wars wasn't cool. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's true to a degree, but I mean like I, I always knew that that my nerdy friends were into Star Wars, and I don't know what happened. I just never really saw them. Uh, I actually watched, I think it was like two summers ago was the first time I watched the the trilogy. Um, you know, I'd see, they'd been like on in places where I was, but I actually sat down and watched them. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm seeing them as, you know, an adult and, and not a child. And so I don't have like the, the nearly like nostalgic feel that everybody else does or like just the amount of like concern about the franchise. It's just, I think the new ones were good. So let's make more of those. So I, I, I have to ask you then, you, you, does your wife then make you watch other things like Dances with the Stars or stuff? Is there like some sort of balance there? Because you talked about <laughs> well, Marvel movies. And I'm stuff. not married. <laughs> I'm not married. No, but, not uh, Ian. Sorry, Rob. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Past Ian. All right. <laughs> yeah, no. We, uh, we don't watch uh, any Dancing with the Stars. There's a lot of House Hunters that goes on sure. in our house. Sure. Yeah, yes. a, lot of H- a lot of HDTV, but, um, you know, mostly it's um, Netflix series. Okay. All right. So like if I, if I threw it out there, so we had this like family and I say family, my wife and I sitting down after like, you know, kids go to bed and everything sitting down. And we had this really long, like 20 minute chat over like who was crazier Terrell Owens or Barbara Corcoran. And like, we went back and forth. Like we were like vehemently almost, we don't argue about hardly anything. We're both really passive in our, in our marriage and our relationship. You know, we, we really want the other person to feel comfortable. And here we are, we start almost having an argument over this and it's really funny. And I, I just have to get your guys' takes on this. I'll let Ian go first. Awkward silence. Sorry, well, I, was, I was muted for a second. I apologize. Uh, Terrell Owens is crazier, just always, always. See, uh, I'm curious to know, Harrison, where you stood on this one. Oh, Terrell Owens, so much. So, and because I guess I grew up with him being there. I don't watch yeah. a lot of reality TV shows, so just like he was, like one of the most public and emotional like roller coaster for any type of like athlete that I can, I, I can think of. Like you saw his emotions from the top to the bottom and they weren't always associated with positive thoughts. It was like, this guy kind of probably should seek help of some kind, not to pick on, you know, people that have mental issues, but he seemed disturbed at times. I still remember him celebrating on um, cowboy field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right that's yes. it's, it's indelible yeah it's a classic sports moment <laughs> well put so getting into the actual meat of this in segment one 
let's let's kind of get an idea of um, you have your own set of numbers, and you know, not to like say they're better, not to say they're worse. You kind of have your own established quality. Um, what is quality by your standards, and how do you grade teams? Sure. So, uh, quality for me is really a marketing term more than anything. It's simply shots on target divided by shots. And yes, I know that not all shots on target divided by shots are equal. That's why we have XG. Um, however, I think generally people would prefer to have a shot quality of 50% versus a shot quality of 15%. And it makes it easier to do an after game calculation you know, it's literally fifth grade math. Um, but truly, to go deeper, one has to start looking at XG. The way that I grade teams is I use an, an, what I call an aggregate rank. That's one of the two things that I do differently, or one of the two things that I really was looking for and couldn't find. And the aggregate rank, I, I started trying to come up with my own fancy ranking thing, and I realized, well, wait a second, what if I just have this? There's a lot of other ranking systems out there. Right. So what if I just combine them together? And, and that's really all I've done. So I take ELO, I take goal difference, uh, I take team rating, which was developed by James Grayson. Uh, I've got, I use the XG data from American Soccer Analysis. Uh, and then I've got a home and away rating, which is just a simple regression analysis of how strong a team is based on their home versus away performance. And then my three factors. Man. And the, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say the three factors, that's the second thing that I do differently. So I never, I didn't quite get into this, but uh, although I'm relatively new to soccer stats, I've been doing basketball stats for about a decade. And uh, honestly, my first love is college hoops. Go Marquette. Go Big East. <laughs> and uh, I picked up doing stats when I was in grad school. And I just loved it. And there's a ton of data out there for college hoops, just a ton. And I was looking for exactly that. And one of the concepts in college hoops is a concept of the four factors. There's four factors that pretty much dominate any game and will give you a prediction of how good your team is. And I was looking for something like that in soccer and it didn't exist. And I did just a lot of data collection, ton of math, taught myself how to do logistic regression. And I came up with the three factors, which is shot quantity, shot quality and luck and it's it really it's it boils down to how many shots are you putting up how many of those shots are on target and what percentage are you finishing them uh first of all i love the james grayson like reference because it's been a spell since i heard that name and i kind of feel like he's kind of a forgotten man in like today's uh modern uh soccer statistic world uh guy did a lot uh, a lot very early on with all that stuff and i think he's kind of more drifting into the hockey sphere nowadays but i i honestly don't know what he's doing that's that's a great uh reference uh, i would love and if you can ex expand a little bit on what you kind of identify as uh luck and how you've been able to parse it from some of the noise or how you've tried to go about it um i'd actually be interested in what you failed in and not necessarily what you think you've succeeded in sure uh there's a i will say um, I failed in a lot of, you mean, which variables did I rule out or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I originally started, I started with like possession I, and I, I always joke that, wait, can I swear on here? Uh, sure. I won't. Sure. I used to say that possession, I used to say that I used to joke that I was going to, my first ever website article would be possession is BS. Um, I won't swear. Um, and then, this, this is this is after hours. I mean, we're recording this at eight o'clock. You know, uh, eleven o'clock isn't it your time, uh, Ian? Yeah, and I just want to weigh in and say you can swear. It's fine. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of think possession is bullshit. And I looked at a lot of other stuff. Like I looked at um, I looked at time of possession in the opponent's third. I looked at passing accuracy. I looked at crosses. I looked at a couple rolled up statistics that I tried to create some possessions. I looked at the impact of corners, uh, red cards won, um, a bunch of stuff. And I pretty much boiled down to how many shots and how many of them on target and how many do you finish. And as far as the luck, as far as I call it luck, 
Um, it's just a luck is shorthand for this is a very high variance statistic. No, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I like to think of it from the perspective of over a single game, it, it would be totally common to have a, a scoring percentage of 0% to 100%. And however, over the long run, it's just totally unsustainable, right? I mean, you're not going to get 80% scoring percentage over the course of 30 games. And when I refer to luck, um, it's not, I don't always say that they may get lucky or what I usually try to do is look at the scoring percentage in the combination with the other two factors, right? So if you've got a team that just gets crushed on the total number of shots that are taken and they get crushed and how many of those shots are on target, but maybe they score, like uh, DC did this a few years ago, right? Where they had like one shot one shot on target and yes. one goal and won the game, right? Yes. No, I, mean, I know exactly. That was a Taylor Kemp goal. I'm almost positive. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that's how I think about luck and scoring percentage. I usually think about it as high variance but unsustainable. Um, I, as far as the three factors, I think each of these stats on their own is highly flawed. I think that they become more valuable when you combine them together and look at them as a group. I think they become even more valuable when you contrast them versus an opponent. And then I think that they become even more valuable when you look at trends over the long run. So looking at the Eastern Conference right now, and let's specifically, let's turn our attention towards Toronto. And compare in your eyes, how do they stack up against the teams in MLS historically? And I don't know if you've done that necessarily done that digging, but are they arguably the best team in MLS history looking at their current performance statistically? I don't have enough data to say that they're the best team. Yeah. However, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that's one of the hardest things for us to really compare right now. Or at least something that I've looked at and struggled with. Yeah, I will say, um, again, two points, right? Uh, Honestly, they haven't even consistently been the best team in MLS this season. They're the best team right now. They're definitely the class of the league. But both the Fire and NYCFC have been better than them this season. And also, everyone knows that the best team in MLS history is the 1998 Chicago Fire. Oh! Okay. Duh. I went super fan on you. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, certainly, it's really the greatest, certainly the greatest expansion side of all time. Certainly. That's right. So looking to the West Coast uh, and basically kind of pulling your attention away from uh, your uh, <laughs> some uh, some of your you know bias. Ah, Vancouver. True. Guilty. Uh, it, it, okay. Vancouver. The 2016, and I'm using air quotes here, the 2016 version of Colorado? So I, I looked up Colorado 2016 and Vancouver 2017. Here's, here's, my, here's my first opinion, is that both of them have some similarities. I, I view them as both overperforming uh, in points per match where they are versus the rest of the underlying stats. So the Colorado Rapids finished the season like third in PPM, but they were really about 6.2 across their stats. So, you know, uh, overperforming by about three spots in the rankings. And the white caps are actually similar. You know, they rank fourth, but they really rank about 7.7. And so that's, you know, three points set. They're overperforming by about three to four spots. I think that there's one big difference between the two. Uh, first, the Rapids last year had a very good defense, like legitimately a very good defense. Agreed. Right, and it was their offense that was a dumpster fire. Uh, the Whitecaps appear a little bit more balanced. I think that there's some merit to their defense also being relatively strong, uh, despite giving up a lot of shots, not a ton go on, on target. I think the weakness for them is their offense. I think they've, you know, for uh, shot quantity, they're in the bottom quartile. In shot quality, they're in the bottom half. Scoring percentage, they rank number two. That seems to me inconsistent with the other two. Yeah. I think that they're overperforming offensively. No, I think that that's a really great, uh, really great observation. 
So uh, we talk about the ups and downs of the white cap of caps, and we'll kind of transition this back to Chicago. Uh, you're a Chicago guy. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, ups and downs. The first thing that I think of in Chicago is uh, Nikolic. Uh, he, he's kind of he had this almost streakiness, and uh, goal scores in general are going to be goals are streaky uh, to to a degree, right? Like. You can create. Uh, sure, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. yeah. You, I, I think anybody that listens to this podcast, you especially, Rob, you understand what I'm saying by uh, the high variance that we talked about. You know, not to take away to throw. We throw luck or say that word, and people want to take away uh, like accomplishments or think that we want to imply that they're that the what they've achieved is lesser, and, and that's not necessarily the case. Mm. It's just the people that mostly that we hang around with in these circles. Have, uh, attribute luck as something that's uh, a little bit different than I think most people would associate luck. But speaking of Nikolic, like what has he done that has vaulted him? I mean, he's in the top five of expected goals plus expected assists. What has he done? What are those attributes that have put him in that position? All right. So in terms of his actual like playing style or technical ability, I'm, I'm not qualified to talk about that. But I did do some analysis. I went to American Soccer Analysis. It's a great site. Crunched some numbers. It's a great site. Yep. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love it. I go there when I want to go a level, de- a level deeper. Um, and what I see is that he's, um, he's top three in shots, but he's also top three in XG per 96. And his XG plus XA per 96 is outside the top 10. Now, I do recall that earlier in the season – he was overperforming his XG. But right now, it's pretty close. It's regressed to the mean a little bit with him. And overall, when you combine his shots and his XG per 96 being legitimately good, I think he's being successful because he's a good player being placed in an opportunity to get a lot of shots. No. Do you think that there is... Um... I know earlier this year, and I, I, it's probably not true, and I should have looked this up beforehand. But earlier, like not even uh, like a month and a half ago, uh, the 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 most prolific scoring chain was David Akam to Nikolic, um, and in the last couple months, you know, he went quite a while without scoring there, and he's he's picked up a couple. He picked up a penalty last week and, and got mm-hmm. a goal the week before that. Uh, but there was like two months just about where he had not found the net. And I was wondering if uh, you saw any kind of difference in the supply that he was getting, like uh, the type of balls he was receiving, uh, or was it just kind of a regression to the mean, just a hard a hard left into the mean? I, I will fully confess that over the last two months, I moved my family a thousand miles across the country. That's right. Okay. I, I haven't watched a ton of soccer. That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to, but usually I've been concentrating on the U.S. Yeah, yeah, right on. Right on. So, uh, yeah. so, yeah, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to see. Like, I feel like that, that something happens. Like, something went, went went a little bit different there, and I, I I don't know if you can attribute it to just, hey man, that was just the law of averages catching up to you, uh, or or if there was actually a shift in the way that that he was being played or utilized um, you know, that, that kind of led to that 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 long drought. Total total hearsay, but uh, CF ninety seven speculation is that there's been some locker room discord, possibly leading from the exclusion of a com at the All Star game, and hmm. then there's been some injuries along with it as well. Uh, you know, Basti's not been playing as much. The defense has been hammered. I mean, the team's not been performing well. Eh, I don't know. I kind of think that generally in MLS there's a lot of ebbs and flows to the season and that's who gets hot at the right time. Now, would you say that my impression of Nikolic would be that, that he is the kind of striker that requires service to be effective. He's not the kind of guy that's going to grab the ball and make things happen by himself. That's how he's been getting a lot of his service with the fire. Hmm? Right? He's he's been he's being put in an opportunity to get a solid shot on goal and he's been taking advantage. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily creating a lot of stuff on his own. 
Yeah. So maybe it's not entirely uh, just down the knee glitch, but, but what's going on around them, and if there happen injuries, and you know if there's a disruption in that kind of flow, that can affect a goal scorer like that. So that's interesting, and, and I think Chicago had a hard time uh, replacing that kind of uh, goal scoring because that really coincided with their sort of cold streak as well. Yeah, but uh, frankly, during their cold streak, it hasn't been their offense that suffered. I mean, their offense has regressed a little bit, but it's still been a top five offense. Hmm. What's been struggling for the fire during their slump is it's been the defense that's really been struggling. That's interesting. Um, I guess that if you look, yeah, I guess if you look at their numbers, like they are still getting the goals from, and then um, you know, Kamas definitely when he got his opportunities was still coming in and getting those. And uh, what do you think is going to be? What's going on in that back line? Like, what, where's the weak link there? Oh, I, I got to confess, guys, when we start talking specific players, I do most of my analysis at the team level. So um, I know that the back line's had a bunch of injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Polster's been out, Basti's been sitting out, and Brandon Vincent has been sitting out. Uh, Dax has been gone for games. So just looking at, you know, the four spots surrounding the center backs those have all been those have all had gaps what i think is kind of interesting is and this is one of the stats that i dug up uh prior to was looking at those two positions the center back position out of all the minutes that have been played by a center back 97 percent of them jonathan campbell jao maria uh yohan kapiloff they made up 97 percent of those minutes this season last season they made up 96 percent of those minutes and so I think it's kind of interesting that – and part of my mind kind of wonders if this isn't maybe a some defensive regression. Um, granted, they have Dax, so overall their defense is, is bound to improve just on that principle alone. Brandon Vincent getting another year. Uh, Polster finally getting some playing time. Um, I think all these things are going to have positive influences but as you mentioned, the injuries, some of the possible uh, undertone discord, and then as well as maybe it's just some regression as well. Is that possible looking at it from a team perspective defensively? Yes, absolutely. It's uh, totally possible. I do think that the defense has stabilized a little bit. Um, it had dropped down into you know like a, a ranking of about 12th which was pretty low considering that at one point it, it was the number one defense in the league. But sitting right now, it's climbed back up to rank number eight. Well, uh, how does that compare to maybe like the last two seasons where their defense kind of was abysmal? I mean, at least from an expected goals perspective, oh. I think they were last in the league in, in expected goals allowed. Um, how- yeah, I, I, ranked, uh, I ranked them 19th defensively. And, you know, back to the question of the center backs, I really think what it boils down to is the fact that you get an upgrade from Brandon Vincent year two. You get an upgrade from inserting Matt Polster into the other fullback position. You get an upgrade from where Polster was playing at defensive mid with Dax, and then you get a, an upgrade with a world-class player in Schweinsteiger. So, you know, the center backs may be consistent in the percentage of minutes, but in terms of four players surrounding them, you've got an upgrade at pretty much every position. That's my speculation. So you kind of alluded to it uh, previously, but how does Chicago um, first, uh, and you can kind of talk about this maybe in piecemeal, um, how do they rank up against the rest of the league um, in, in their offense, their defense, their goalkeeping, and then maybe their uh, cumulatively how they how they look to uh, size up against the rest of the league. Sure, um, they've been pretty consistently uh, a top offense, and in comparison to the team, they've been doing it with pretty much an average number of shots. But they've been top. Th- five, a lot of times top three in terms of how many of those shots are on target. They've also had a pretty high scoring percentage, one of the top in the league. And so that 
that makes me nervous, you know, because we talked about the luck and the variance thing, and I always kind of feel like if you've got a high scoring percentage, it's not sustainable, and I'm expecting the bottom to drop out. That kind of plays into the ELO, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it plays a little bit into the ELO because are you still getting results, right? So you may still be getting results, and um, then it would show in your ELO, but if you're getting results because of the high scoring percentage, you know, maybe... At some point, maybe you're just a team that overperforms its. Yeah, no, percentage. I'm sorry. I was thinking of PDO. <laughs> I don't know why I said ELO. <laughs> oh. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it does get into the PDO. So, right? So, a team can overperform its PDO. But I'm always a little skeptical about it. Uh, defense has been odd. Uh, for the first half of the season, the defense was, was very similar to the offense, right? middle of the road in terms of the amount of shots that they would allow but very few of those shots allowed were on target and very few of the shots that were on target ever scored you know like a an average ranking very good very good for uh, how many shots quality and luck and now now it's uh, it really struggled and it struggled because they were just allowing a, a very high percentage of the shots on target and now while it's stabilized, they're still allowing uh, quite a number of shots on target, and um, but they're not allowing very many shots overall. And I'm curious to see how that trend unfolds over the rest of the season, because it's it's just a different approach than what they were successful with the first half of the season. As far as goalkeeping, um, I'm not touching that one. Lampson's a lightning rod. <laughs> Well, I feel like uh, that whole situation is a, is a lightning rod, right? Like the goalkeeping scenario in general for Chicago has been a lightning rod for three years, four years. It's been a yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Sean Johnson was a really good shot stopper, um, and uh, a lot of people would still criticize him. And uh, now he's gone, and so people are criticizing the fact that he's gone. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I, that's inherently yeah. that's that that's fans. Like you can say it's soccer, Ian, but I mean it's fans, right? Like we, and I'll throw myself in the boat. Like, look, I, I complain when things go the way that I want it to go, and I complain when they don't go the way that I wanted it to go. I'm going to complain because inherently, that's what I do, right? <laughs> like as a fan, I yeah. will enjoy the successes but I'll probably enjoy the defeats more because it means that I get to uh, parade as though I have more knowledge on the subject than those that made the real-time decisions and the, the micro decisions that had to be made um, at, at that exact moment, which, as we all know, is so much more difficult. Uh, so I, that's just inherently being a fan. <laughs> yeah, it's more fun when your team is good. As a Chicago Fire fan, trust me. Oh, oh yeah, no, I, I would, I will totally get as a, a <laughs> lifelong Mar Seattle Mariner fan. I, I, um, yes, I can relate to that on on a very specific level. Agreed, agreed. All right, so uh, now, if we can uh, divorce uh, said bias from you for uh, momentarily, uh, and, and have you pick up that crystal ball. <laughs> And look at maybe the playoff seedings that has Chicago neck and neck with Atlanta, with NYC, uh, the rest of the way. Chicago seems to be trending towards the back of that pack, just with Atlanta surging, with NYC really not doing too much to shoot themselves in the foot, right? They're not doing great, but they're not necessarily doing bad. So who mm -hmm. finishes for you know that four to six range because it's going to be one of those three right uh toronto has the number one seed for sure um and then it's going to be either new york atlanta or chicago in that two to four range so who goes in that order what have you looked at any of the playoff simulations i don't have the, i don't i don't have the foggiest idea because frankly i rank all those teams at five Man, so, <laughs> it, it, regardless, regardless of, you know, I rank all those teams between five and five dot seven. So regardless of who gets seated two through four, they're all overperforming. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Is there anyone that that's uh, underperforming according to your metrics? Um, underperforming. I still have the Sounders as underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, they are tenth in PPM. I rank them at five point seven. They're in. They're in the best of the rest grouping. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Houston, I think, is slightly underperforming. They're twelfth in PPM. I rank them around eight point eight. And there's a few other teams, um, but they're all they're all sort of like. So let me let me throw you uh, spontaneously throw a team at you and and your thoughts just whatever comes Columbus. Sure. All right. So um, I always start with three questions. The first question is: Are they any good? Right now, Columbus is eighth in PPM and 10th in the aggregate rank, so they're probably slightly worse than um, where they stand in PPM, but it's close. Then I want to know if they've got a good offense or a good defense. Columbus is looking at them. uh, They're average. They've got a mediocre offense and a mediocre defense, number 9 and number 11, and the end result is they're mediocre on goal differential. Uh, And then I want to look at where they're good or bad. So if I look at Columbus Crew... Um, let's see. Their offense is probably worse than it should be because they don't get up a ton of shots. They're only average on shot quality, but they've got a high scoring percentage. Their defense is probably legit. Um, so overall, I would say that they are probably overperforming their offense. And then the last thing I would do is I'd look at their XG. Now my XG data is a little bit old. And the X, I have a disagreement with the XGA ranking because ASA says that the they should be 15th for defense, but we don't quibble on the overall ranking of 11. Hmm. And see, that's actually kind of that's that's part of why I asked you because I was it was a little bit of a leading question, right? I think that it's fun that there's some disparity. Mm-hmm. And your rankings and that there is possibly a, some inclinations that Columbus's defense might be better than what expected goals gives it credit for, right? Right. And and I'll be the first one to say that I've got no clue if how I'm presenting things is better or worse. It's just how I present things. It, it's got its flaws. Well, absolutely. And so I wasn't, uh, again, focusing on the fact that there's disparity, not necessarily that ours is, be- you know, expected. Sure, of course. Uh, our expected goals is, be- we do, uh, our expected goals is very, uh, I shouldn't say very different, but it's it's got its differences compared to others uh, around blogosphere or Twitter sphere, whatever you want to call it, we have our different things that we capture that we put preference on because they're mm-hmm. things that we feel are more important. Um, one specific instance is uh, big chances. We don't um, we don't incorporate that. Uh, so again, not saying one is better than the other. It's just it's it's all about there are flaws in the system and uh, taking that into account, seeing where the differences lie. Um, I always kind of, uh, there was a picture a number of years back that it, I always recall. And I, uh, Ricky Nolasco, um, who had a FIP. The pitcher? On, yes, yes, the pitcher, who had a FIP uh, that was above average uh, on baseball reference, but on fan graphs was uh, below average. Um, and, of course, they have two different method methodologies so there was constantly an argument, was he a good pitcher or was he a bad pitcher? And the whole idea was we were focused on one number and one metric to measure whether or not that pitcher was good. And I remember someone uh, that was much more intelligent than I delivered a, a, a more thorough breakdown of let's set these, these aside, this, these metrics, and let's just look at holistically the, the attributes, you know, the, the peripheral numbers that uh, are incorporated by this. And let's decide based on those merits rather than, you know, just looking holistically at one number and saying, okay, he was good or okay, he was bad. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's yeah. really where we, we get, we're getting lazy. I think with the introduction of some of these uh, numbers, whether or not you agree with the Audi index, uh, whether or not you agree with <laughs> it's hot garbage. 
<laughs> whether or not you agree with expected goals and if you uh disagree with expected goals i don't know why you're listening to us but uh there are those that for instance this week that we uh encountered uh, it, that have some disagreements and that's perfectly all right let's not uh grow apathetic in the approach to analysis right 100 percent. yeah so, and, and to exact to exactly your point over not favoring one bit of data or the other that's why i try and take a bunch of different data points and see what the average comes out as no agreed agreed so uh take a look at your evaluation techniques and is there a team in any position in a home and home series to take down the mighty TFC and based upon your previous response that you thought both Chicago and uh, NYC are better teams. Uh, I, I'm really interested in what you have to say. All right. First of all, I did not say that they are better teams. I said at, they have been better teams. At my, different apo- uh, my apologies. My apologies. Not putting words in your mouth yeah. at, at different points of the season. Um, I, I will say, I think any team can knock off TS, TFC. One of the things that I have found is in the past few years is that the playoffs are just a complete crapshoot. You know, last year, last year FCD was just dominant all season long. They got knocked out early. New York, uh, New York Red Bulls, you know, did their typical early swoon, came on very, very strong at the end of the season. They got knocked out early. I mean, I think, I think, the playoffs are complete. Crap shoot! I think anyone can take him down. Is there anyone that you would like? I mean, obviously. Uh, so let's set it Chicago aside. Who's who's a more interesting series to you, Atlanta or New York against Toronto? These days, yeah. Well, scratch that. Uh, scratch that chin hair. I am scratching that chin hair. <laughs> I am more intrigued by New York Red Bulls simply because I have more history with them and what they've done. And I'm very interested in their approach and how they manage to be successful. Atlanta is like a fleeting thought right now and i'm curious to see if they materialize into something more tangible i love how you i love that i'm going to get that tattooed uh in my on my back (laughs) thank you (laughs) no i mean all right so we talked about this beforehand with atlanta and some of the um the very uh verbose fan base that they've uh developed early on well done right i mean good good job by that fan base that being said they're they're also very uh (laughs) very excitable um so they stand up for their team as any as any fans would uh however sometimes i think that they don't realize that we're still we're still dealing with a a relative uh small sample size historically Mm -hmm. for their franchise um that doesn't diminish what they've accomplished in any way, shape or form. What they've done this thus far has been amazing. It's, it's very, very good. And looking over at what it took for NYC and Orlando, both uh, Orlando is still struggling to figure out like how to be successful. Uh, NYC, it took them a couple of tries Toronto. It took them, you know, eight years this is not Years, something yeah. that that just you can throw money at and be successful all the time. However, they did it the right way. That being said, there's still a lot of metrics that are holding out on them on whether or not they are truly a, a sustainably good team, right? They, they've had a lot of happy breaks. They have. And as Ian pointed out earlier, right, they are... Uh the beneficiaries of of uh, their opponents receiving quite a few red cards. Yeah. Uh, seven this year. Um, a couple of those in the same game. Uh, I think... I, I never said this to, to be critical of Atlanta, but it, it is worth noting that when you see them pouring in these, like, seven-goal situations and doing this kind of thing, like, they are doing it a lot to teams that are 
you know, somewhat ham-fisted uh, by a poor decision that one of their players made or, or circumstances as Reds go. Um, but I agree with you. Like, it, it, it seems like there's a lot, especially this week, um, you know, they've got, like, a lot of home games, and, and they're going to be very, very strong. Um I, I don't know. Like I'm still. I, I don't know why, but I still have my doubts about this this team um, going all the way. XG doesn't like them very much. That's for sure. Well, and, and here's the thing. Like, okay, there's some things that you can do to moderately improve uh, XG on them, and, and one of those things is only look at when Joseph Martinez is. Uh, but uh, all seriousness, just like let's. I'm playing with it right now, uh, the team shot data on the interactive. That was one thing that we didn't really get a chance to go into since we haven't had a podcast, but we have these really cool interactive uh, graphs now. I shouldn't say graphs, but tables. Um, So, yeah, go out to the site and take a look. But just pulling that up. Right now. Right. You can actually look at it in even game states. And just looking at it, even game states and looking at expected goal differential, um, it, it's kind of interesting, the results, uh, when it comes to Atlanta, whereas they're not necessarily as far down. They're still in the negative, but uh, they're not as far down in the negative. This is very cool. So, um, yeah, there's... <laughs> yeah, it's a nice plug there. Yeah, we definitely should plug that. It's a great work from the guys on Matthias, that. Uh, Kevin Minkus, yeah, uh, Jared maybe yeah. probably a little bit with some of the data points. I know that they're going through uh, a lot of different things to improve this. So this is not a fine. Like if people, I know uh, my first feedback was I need minutes. <laughs> I need player minutes. I need, I, I need X. Yeah. You know, if you can get positions, that would be cool too. And I, <laughs> I, I could almost hear uh, Matthias like sigh on the other end of the email. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't love me like do you not see what i just created uh there this is a this is a work in work in progress though but that being said um yeah with moving things to an even game states uh they actually drop down even further than they do outside of the even game states and they cross into the negative so uh it, it's expected goals doesn't hate them but what they've been doing uh, is going ahead early, and it's kind of reminiscent to some of the different uh, scenarios that we've had in the past with uh, situations where teams have succeeded and expected goals not necessarily love them. I think LA w- went through a short spell of that where they were really dominant, and so they went up early in a couple uh, situations and expected goals early on in the season didn't like them. This is probably the longest I've seen outside of uh, Sporting Kansas City and RSL each had some uh, interesting uh, irregularities out of expected goals. Uh, But in terms of holistically, uh, Atlanta is a very unique monster on why uh, statistically it nothing is necessarily um, considered great with the exception of their finishing. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I look at... Let me look at their... I was looking at them earlier. I want to see what how they, how they stack up. You know, where they, where they do a really good job right now is... I have them at number one in the league in terms of putting shots on target and then also denying opponent shots on target. Hmm. Mm-hmm. They're number one in both those? You know, I think that has something to, to say, though, about that back line that has stayed um, uh, pretty in sync all season. I think what uh, Perez and Michael Parkhurst, aside from this l- most recent game, have started all, uh, all games together um, this season. So uh, aside from one, they've had those two in there all the time. And then with Julian Gressel and uh, a couple other really great defensive uh, midfield works, I mean, they've, they've managed to really shut down that central part 
and I feel like the way to attack them is is wide. Hmm. I don't know about the right way to attack them, but I do believe that um, I'm a big believer in the benefit of having consistent minutes. Oh yeah, no, I I I, I agree. Um, I, I get, I understand a lot of people, a lot of pundits. Uh, hesitancy towards uh tata and his uh approach of that he's not resting folks right now uh that being said uh, i think that they're a better team so long as they can continue to start their their normal 11 right there's a lot to be said for that and maybe you sub guys out at the 60th minute or something right yeah i think there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it uh yeah, I, I I do think with Atlanta though, in, in particular, and I love how we we ended up talking about Atlanta. Uh, the hot, sexy team is uh, they're right now. Yeah, they're just all the buzz. Um, once you get past that first group of eleven players, like once you scratch that first that first team, you know you start filling in a couple of like second string pieces in there, and that team gets a lot worse. I will. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they retool for year two. Right? Yeah, it, it definitely will be. And uh, I'll be curious to see if we'll still have... Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was interest. I would be very surprised if both Martinez and Ami Rome were back. Uh, I would expect one of them to get you know, some interest from abroad. Um, and they hit so well on their DPS this this time around, and it's really rare for an expansion team to come out and just go three for three. I mean, like it's that. rare for pretty much any team um, to go right. Yeah. yeah, for any team, especially like a first team, uh, to just nail knock those out of the park so significantly. So that replacement uh, will be will be telling if they do in fact uh, lose one. If, of those if guys. I can, if Agreed. I can though, I'm going to go ahead and try to steer us back and kind of um, point us towards uh, our final approach. So looking at Chicago, and we kind of we're talking about home and home is how we kind of got to this place. Talking about TFC home and home, Chicago home and home. I think there's something to be said about some of the struggles on the road. Whether or not that narrative is right, and whether or not they struggle on the road is something I think worth exploring. Um, and I'd be interested if you've looked into that. Is that a convenient narrative, or is that something? to really uh, consider? Is that something that they're really going to struggle? I did look into this. Right now, they are average on the road. They rank number 12. And uh, almost every team in MLS has a negative goal differential on the road. There are only, I think, three teams that have positive goal differentials on the Uh, road. LA Galaxy? So, um, LA Galaxy is one. And Ian, can you name one? Hold on. I can't uh, off the top of my head now. Actually, no. LA Galaxy has a is negative zero point one. They rank fourth in away goal differential. The three teams are Atlanta. Oh, sorry, I'll go in order. TFC, Atlanta, and NYCFC, mm. which actually doesn't surprise me. Oh yeah, always, always NYCFC. They yeah, do well. That's because the they're they play in a baseball stadium. That's <laughs> because <laughs> they have a better field. And well, I was gonna say they they really their team is built towards to use that home field advantage, and and I'm totally down with that. I love that aspect of how they approach their team. And I think Patrick Vieira was incredibly smart. I don't think that Jason Christ did that enough. Um, they played to accentuate that field, right? Like, okay, we play on a small, narrow field. We're going to do what we can to put pieces and players, and if that means we're going to play these weird formations at times tactically, and we're going to move some people into some maybe unique spots where their talents just play up, that's what we're going to do, and I really appreciate that. That being said, I am dumbfounded at how good they are on the road. Yeah, they they're it feels like they're consistently even better on the road than they are at home. No, it, it does. They they've they've had some uh, 
they've had some bad games at home that just uh, I don't know if it was lack of preparation or execution or how that turned out what it did, but just looking at score lines, I, I, I definitely would, am shocked at sometimes how poor they are. So, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much ties it up. I think it does. I, I have very much enjoyed this, though, so thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate you allowing me to be on. Yeah, well, we'll we'll do this again, Rob. We'll definitely do this again. Um, where can people find your stuff? Uh, where where can they find you on social media? So uh, right now, uh, pretty much the only social media account that I keep active is Twitter. I'm at low down stats, L-O-W-E down stats. Eventually, I will be investing in my website, and then that'll be lowdownstats.com. Awesome, if folks! Please go out, give Rob that uh, that follow on the Twitters. Um, he definitely deserves it. Has a lot of really good inputs. Um, Rob, it, it's always a pleasure having you on. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, you can find myself at Harrison underscore Crow, Mister Ian. Where can they find you? Uh, <clears throat> you can find me pretty much every weekend uh, on at Total MLS. And, um, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, uh, for all of our sponsors and supporters, Mark Kastner, Jeff Goldblum, Five Iron Frenzy, thank you so much. Congrats to the Electric Science and their conquer mm-hmm. uh, of the Variance Cup in 2017, relieving uh, Matt Hartley of that uh, dubious honor and praise. <laughs> so, uh, please go out on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Stitcher, um, rate, review us. We got a bit of love uh, every once in a while. We get love this week. We get love a few weeks ago. Um, I know not everyone that went out there and listened went out there and voted. I know that. I, you, <laughs> you, you and the sedan, vote. Guilty. You and the, I'll do it. look, vote. We have the data. We have in the show script, this is written out as Harrison admonishes listeners. <laughs> That's a true statement. Hey, you know what? Uh, you have time to sing, you know, famous songs in your car as you pull up to, you know, stoplights. You can, you can, you can pull over. Please do you not can rate, us. rate and review while driving. Wait till you, wait till you park. Yeah, we'll pull over. <laughs> right. Uh, also, go out to AmericanSoccer.com, uh, AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com, uh, those XG interactive tables, as well as uh, Kevin Minkus, always doing work with the 2017 uh, playoff probabilities, uh, both with seeding and uh, overall playoff uh, potential. Uh, go out there, have a look. Uh, complain about his methodology. Look, uh, we know about the Pythagorean Pithe- uh principle and you know we're not happy about it either and we want to uh beat up nerds uh yeah i I don't have anything else this is going downhill very fast we're audi 5k ian say goodbye whatever uh sign off you have for us oh a new tagline uh yes american soccer analysis soccer analysis done americanly That was your worst one by far. (laughs) Goodbye, folks. All right, right, sayonara. Talk to y'all later. Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams. We're about to awesome all your dreams. And you'll say, what are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, a cyborg pimp from the future. And I'm going deaf for cheesy. I'm feeling a bit uneasy. Let's get this straight. Oh yeah, we are the champions. We'll be
rock. We're hip hop.